Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Abraham, and he comes to, to us from a background in environmental sciences and studies. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love if you shared a little bit more about uh, what you're up to now, and then uh, we'll get into a little bit of your history and what we were like as a kid. Sounds good. Thank you, Lucky, for having me. So yeah, why don't you start with what, what are you up to now? Yeah, what am I up to now? So right now, I'm a manager of energy evaluations, modeling and building science with Greensaver. It's quite a mouthful, I know. <laughs> Basically, what that means is I'm managing two different teams within Greensaver. Um, there's the energy modeling and building science team, and then there's the energy evaluations team. So Greensaver is a not-for-profit, and uh, we've been operating for about 25, almost 30 years now. Um, we mainly deliver low-income programs in Ontario. So what that means is our clients, Enbridge and the IESO, they call, hey, Greensaver, you know what? We need your help to deliver the low-income programs. And we say, yeah, we'll do it. Um, so the low-income programs targets low-income Ontarians living in a single-family home. And we provide them with um, energy-efficient measures such as uh, LED light bulbs, Energy Star appliances, fridge, freezers, um, and also insulation. So we go in to do attic insulation, wall insulation, basement insulation, as well as air sealing in a home where it's inadequate at this time. So if you think about Toronto, there's about a lot of the homes are older, almost 100 years old. Right. And if you can imagine, there's zero insulation in the walls. Right. So I think it used to be, energy used to be very cheap in the past. That's why they built homes without insulation. But now as energy costs rises, we want to have more insulation so that you're not spending as much on your gas furnace heating up the home or your electric um, baseboards heating up the home. So that's what we do mostly. And now with the new program, the Canada Greener Homes Program that just came out, that uh, homeowners are eligible of up to $5,000 in rebates. Uh, Greensaver is also um, a service organization delivering that to all of Ontario homeowners. That's great. So yeah, I may have to look into that and see if I'm eligible for any of those later on. But before we go into that, uh, I'd love if you can step back and talk to us a little bit about uh, Abraham Abraham as a kid. So what were you like growing up? Uh, I, I know you, you were in, in kind of Indo, Indo, Indonesia and Singapore. Uh, so what was uh, some of the earlier childhood memories that you have? I really don't have much of a childhood memory. Like, I think <laughs> before I was 10 years old, 10 years old and before I've not much memory at all like that's okay. before i was uh, when i was in indonesia in jakarta i do remember playing with marbles you know just playing marbles in the school backyard that's that's about it and then in 1998 because of the racial riot that happened in indonesia my parents uh, flew me over to singapore to live with my grandparents so that's from when I was 10 to 18, that's where I spent my life. So my secondary high, secondary school was there. Prim, half of my primary school was there. And I remember a little bit more. 
I really don't have much memory of my childhood. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure why. Maybe I do have that trauma that you were talking about that is, <laughs> that is blocking all my memory. Um, well, that's probably a different episode that we'll need to get into. But uh, so, so maybe we'll, we'll pick up from, from Singapore. So as you're kind of growing up there uh, and, and really want to try to find that, that influence of, of environmental, because obviously you're doing a whole bunch of stuff in the environmental sciences. Uh, growing up, I mean, in, in Southeast Asia, it's usually like a doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer. And it uh, sounds like that you picked the, the engineering route. <laughs> yes. but, but how did that come through? How, how did engineering come to, to pass? How did the environmental side of engineering come to pass? Good question. I remember thinking when I was in high school. So when I was 18, I flew uh, to Canada to uh, basically escape from the army service that I had to do in Singapore. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I handed them my PR card. Like, take this. I don't want to do your uh, two years national, national service. Oh, no. Okay. And, and then I came to Canada. I went to Columbia International College for my pre-university. And I, up to that point, I still have no idea what I want to do in university. Until I started, you know, started applying and I was thinking, okay, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. Uh, that sounds like engineering to me. So right. engineering. Now, what kind of engineering? There's so many to choose from, right? And then I was like, I like, the, I like animals. So, you know, I think animals, environmental, that seems like to be the right choice. Uh, <laughs> so that's, environment, that's why I ended up with environmental engineering. It was between environmental and chemical engineering. Okay that I kind of was deciding on. But I got accepted first from University of Waterloo for environmental engineering. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it. And I enjoyed it. It was great. Um, totally enjoyed the courses. <laughs> I personally think that environmental engineering is one of the easiest engineering courses there is okay. in, the, in the university just because we are more of a... It's more general. It's not as it's not as technical as say chemical engineering, say mechanical engineering. It's more general. Um, we're talking about wastewater management, uh, air pollution control. Yes, there's technical aspects of it, especially in terms of groundwater contamination, for example, and the modeling of that. But it's a broad range of things that you can do with environmental engineering, and I totally enjoyed it. The one thing that I regret. Uh, not doing in my uh, environmental engineering bachelor's degree was uh, building science courses okay. because one of the professors there is like one of the top professors in building science and I would have been taught by him but I at the time did not choose building science as one of my electives so kind of regret that a little bit and, and why is that or, or you just didn't know that uh, he was one of the top folks in the, in the profession yeah i didn't know he was one of the top folks so i didn't know that he uh i didn't know that building science was my where i wanted to go mm. at that point of time um yeah that's that's the main reason i didn't know it was what i wanted to do cool and i guess if, if you could go back to uh younger abraham and and plant the seed to to explore building sciences do you think there might have been a way where uh it, it would have come up in, in general conversation or networking events or, or something like that? Or is it one of those things, no, nah, you had to go through the process in order to, to find it out? I, I was, I remember at that time, I was pretty open to new, to learning new things. So definitely if I, if I were to talk, have to talk, um, have talked to somebody in the field and they would have sparked that interest, I would definitely have uh, looked into it more during that time. But 
younger Abraham at the time, you know, as an engineer, you don't really get to socialize much. You really just, <laughs> I was more of a book uh, person, so book smart person. So I was just studying, studying, studying. I didn't really talk to anybody, didn't have many friends. So that's, I think, one of the things I would have, you know, if I could plant the seeds, one of the swikes that we'll be talking about is uh, uh, I would have encouraged my, the younger me to, you know, talk to more people, be more open, uh, have informational interviews, have coffee with people. Yeah, and I think that that's fair with a lot of folks where, uh, I mean, they, they go to school to study, right? So they want to make sure they have a good GPA and marks and stuff like that, uh, but to the detriment often of, of some of the relationships, right? So, so mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, you go out and, and have parties and stuff like that. You don't want to go to an extreme, um, but I, I think uh, for those that are kind of a little bit more bookish, uh, if any of you are, are listening, uh, go out and, and make more friends and, and, and talk to more people, uh, yeah. copy chats, Zoom chats, virtual chats, whatever it is that, that you can do or, or not do right now. Uh, but but explore I think would be a, a great uh, interesting area. So Agreed. I mean I don't know too much more too much about the environmental sciences. So so what are some of the, the most interesting courses that you take? The most challenging and hard courses that that you have to take as as part of like the environmental part of it. Yeah. So most challenge well most challenging and most interesting for me is the groundwater contamination. It's okay. modeling how say for example you have a gas station in the corner Dundas and Dixie. Um, once you decommission the gas station, you'll have to do tests to make sure that there's, well, there's going to be groundwater contamination for sure. Okay. Right? The gasoline that you are filling into your car every day, there's going to be quite a bit of spills coming out every time you take it off. Right. So there's, uh, there's going to be contamination and we want to model how far that contamination goes to determine, for example, if it's SO how much is SO liable for? Because they have to clean up the contamination because that's their dirt, basically, right? So that was really interesting because you get to use computer softwares and you can see like the movement of the contamination and the diminish over time. And as well with uh, University of Waterloo, we had co-ops uh, with the university. So um, for one of my co-op, I was actually doing, um, working with environmental consulting Mm -hmm. uh, company and they were doing basically that we were doing sampling so we'll drill a few holes in the site and take samples every four months and note okay if it was um, say a foot of gasoline on top of the groundwater it's not good <laughs> <laughs> but after a while you slowly see it go down Right. Uh, so you can you can kind of model and see okay this is uh, diminishing and how long it'll take and what can we do to clean that up in the meantime cool so as part of that co-op were, were you the one actually like drilling and, and digging and, and taking those samples or was that someone else and you were just uh, more the one analyzing and, and modeling things i was the one i did not do the drilling like we yeah. hired external contractors to do the drilling but i was there to do the logging right okay i lock okay this is uh Silt, sand, uh, mud, for example, in, in, in the, uh, how deep it was. And also, I was the one taking the samples. So we took uh, soil samples and we took groundwater samples. So you have to pump. When, when you drill down, you put a well, and then you can pump out the water, your groundwater. And you take that samples and send it off to the lab. And they'll come back to us saying, okay, there's um, 50 milligrams of gasoline. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, so now you've done a, a bunch of co-op terms and, and you're completing your undergrad. Um, and was, 
uh, grad school in, in the mix before? Like, did you always have a plan to, to do a master's of, of something or, or how did that uh, process come up? I did not have a plan to do master's. Um, that was mostly my dad's influence, really. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because he was the one who came to me after my bachelor's. Right? I, was, I was just you know, looking for a job. And he'll come, he came up to me and said, Ibrahim, you know what? Um, you can be a good engineer. Uh, you can make a great product that makes big impact. But if you can't sell it, it'll just be a localized impact. There, mm-hmm. It doesn't go worldwide, right? So it's like, why don't you take a master's in business? I'm like, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I did some research and, and then found this um, program in Seattle, Seattle mm-hmm. Pacific University. Um, for social and sustainable business management, hmm. which is kind of, you know, what I thought it was, you know, I'm not going full board into business. At least there's still the sustainable aspect of business, which I'm interested in. And right. it's only a one-year program. So well, let's, let's do that. Uh, so I did, and it was amazing experience. Uh, we learned the basics of business because this program was designed specifically for people who did not have a bachelor's in business. Hmm. Um, so we had people coming from a variety of uh, degrees before the, um, humanities, literature, um, yeah, engineering like me. So we got together, um, and it was it was really good. Um, I remember that the last three weeks of our of our year was a work study tour. Okay. We went to India. We went to China to visit businesses and communicate with the. Uh, uh, business owners that are social businesses, that are sustainable businesses. So it was really interesting. That, that's cool. And and I guess uh, similar question, like what what is was the most interesting course uh, from from this program, right? Because now you're more on the on the business side of things and 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 less on the environmental side of things. Um, but but how do they kind of bring it together? I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember per se the different courses that we had. It was a small cohort that we had. Mm -hmm. So every term, there's projects. Every four months, there's projects. And that's what I remember most about it is the projects, not so much the courses that they were teaching us. Because I think they were just teaching us, you know, basic accounting, basic finance, basic marketing. Um, But the projects is what brings it all together. So Mm -hmm. you basically in the projects, you get to design concept so one of the projects uh, that we had was we had to present a business model um, to panel of judges and try to convince them that this is a business model that will work right so of the four months we were discussing we were put together in a group discussing you know gathering ideas gathering uh, data and in the last part presenting that idea mm-hmm. right which is something that we don't have in engineering school right? no. that's that's something that well, for engineering school, it's all about the data. Like the presentations in engineering school is very dry. Mm. <laughs> but in business school, they teach you, okay, you got to make it interesting. You have to capture the interest of the audience, right? right. Um, not so much of engineering. But uh, yeah, so that's what really uh, I can remember most about it. As well, um, they also provide a career coach okay. during the whole year of uh, degree for the cohort. And this career coach was very instrumental for me learning about informational interviews. Mm. He, he gave us the homework of, okay, you need to at least talk to 10 new people every four months. 
Okay. Right? And at first I was like, no way can I do that. <laughs> I was, I'm scared. Like what, what uh, Abraham as a you know, student, I don't know anything. What can I bring to the table during this informational interviews? And he was very gracious in that saying that you can bring a lot. You have time on your hands. You can, um, because you're interested in their industry, you're doing a lot more research. If you think about it, a lot of people that are in the industry for a long time, they mostly focus on what they're doing. They don't have the time to, you know, broaden their perspectives on doing research on other things, for example. That's something that you can bring value. So what do you recommend us? You know, share with them uh, when you're doing your research on career goals and all that. Share with them anything interesting and they'll be very happy to, you know, um, read about it or discuss more about it. So that's one how I break the kind of the, the fear of informational interviews of meeting strangers. So that yeah. I always come in thinking, how can I bring value to them instead mm-hmm. of the other way around? Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And a, a lot of uh, students struggle with that because, as you said, like I'm, I'm a student, or at least you have a master's. These are sometimes undergrads, uh, and and they, they don't have much uh, to bring. But but I think you you hit the nail on the head where uh, time, right? So so you can go and and research and and come back what you discovered over the weekend, that sort of thing, and bring that into the relationship um, or what you're doing now because uh, they uh, might be. Um, firmly entrenched in what they're doing, but they're not aware of this other area that's kind of pseudo tangential uh, that uh, you've encountered because you might have a little bit more breadth or whatever. So I think that's a lot of good guidance and, and advice. So now you're you're done your your master's uh, in business and you you met your dad's wishes and now you're going to make a an international impact because it's not localized anymore. But what what happens next? So what was the process to kind of get into your career path from there? Yeah, one other thing that happened in Seattle was I visited this building called the Bullet Center. And yeah. it's the world's greenest commercial building. Mm. And when I stepped into the building, it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, in a in a inorganic place. It feels like I was in a living, breathing thing. Mm. Um, which was super interesting because it's well, they met the living building challenge. So that kind of explains the idea there. Um, yeah. They're net positive, everything, net positive energy, net positive water. So they're wastewater, they collect it and then they release it back. They treat it, they release it back clean mm-hmm. um, and all other things. Like they don't use um, materials that are hazardous to human or um, na- nature. They also get all their materials within 500 kilometers of the area. Mm-hmm. So that saves the transport carbon costs, right? And so that sparked my interest on in building sites. Mm, okay. Uh, so from there, well, okay, let's backtrack that building size interest, put it aside first. Because <laughs> uh, when I graduated from Seattle, my dream, my dream career, or at least I thought what my dream career was, uh, I was as an environmental consultant, like uh, sure. working for a consulting firm in their sustainability and climate change department which is exactly what i did with deloitte so that of course came through informational interviews as well my career coach back then knew somebody from deloitte toronto office connected me to them and then i get to know the uh, managers within the uh, climate change and sustainability department in deloitte and when they were hiring for consultant i applied and i got it because of through Mm -hmm. that connection Mm -hmm. 
And then I was like, this is great. I'm in my dream job. I love it. Awesome. But after working there for, uh, say, two, three, four months, I realized this is not really for me. This is not really what I was looking for. Right. Uh, I kind of have like a romanticized idea of what working as a consultant is, right? And when I, when I started working as a consultant, I feel like that's not really what I want to do. That's just not really me. Because we did a lot of the talking side of things. Um, right. It's a lot, we did a lot of research. We did a lot of consulting, talking to clients. But it ends there. Like there's not so much the doing part. Mm-hmm. The implementation part, we leave it to the clients. Um, so I feel like I do want to know what's happening. I do want right. to know what's going on. I want to know the impact of my work, right? At this point, it doesn't feel like there's an impact at all because they might have taken that away and say, you know what, I don't really like this, so let's not do anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, since it was a one-year contract, I realized that at the end of the one year, you know, uh, I don't really want to stay here. So I started applying for jobs. And I got a volunteer position with uh, QSO International to work in Tanzania mm-hmm. as an environmental advisor. And I loved it because it was very hands-on. I was there in the field, in the chicken farm, the poultry farm, digging yeah. holes uh, for, with the farmer, together with the farmer. They, they're insane. Like they, they just keep going, you know? I was like, dig one time. Another time, I was, like, I was already out of breath. And they were just, <laughs> they, kept growing, they kept going. So, uh, but I, I helped. I tried to help at least. And basically, uh, why we were digging trenches was because we wanted to make compost out of the chicken manure. So we were figuring out what is the best composition between manure, dry, dry uh, leaves, uh, soil, and water, right? So just mixing it. And it, it was successful. Like in the end, we, we made uh, a good batch of compost. And basically, that chicken manure, they were going to throw away. So right. let's just use it for something useful. Because typically, when they raise chicken, they also have like a small farm somewhere. So they can use it interchangeably. But yeah, it was super fun. I enjoyed it. But of course, it didn't bring any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the six months, I came back to Canada and figured, okay, what do I want to do next? Right now, I know that I don't like to do too much talking. I mm-hmm. like to do the action side, right? So after, I want to say, four months of really like just looking around and applying for jobs, um, I got a a lead for this for green saver position through my fiance my now fiance's uh friend and right. she introduced she said hey we're looking for somebody in green saver um can you introduce me to the manager in green saver so i met the manager manager likes me i came in as a part-time project analyst uh that was what four and a half years ago yeah four and a half years ago so yeah. now you've been kind of climbing up the ladder and getting more and more responsibilities up to a managerial role. Uh, and uh, yeah, would you uh, share some of the, the swipe, the stuff I wish on you earlier along the way? So I, you've already shared a couple of tidbits, but uh, if you're to kind of go back to maybe some of the more pivotal decisions that uh, Abraham or young Abraham had to make, uh, uh, what, what are some of those things that you would share with him? Yeah, so the number one was what I've already shared before, the informational interviews. Mm. Uh, Just go out there, you know, don't be shy with talking to others. 
um, because a lot of the times people do want to share what their experiences are. It's right. just a matter of somebody, you know, looking for it. It's 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 like the goal is out there. You just need to search for it, uh, and and yeah, approach them. So uh, even up to this point of time, I still, you know, uh, I'm I'm addicted to LinkedIn. Wait, I don't know <laughs> if it's a good thing or not, but I'm still like building up my network. Every time I see somebody interesting, uh, be it like a manager, director, or even like a somebody who's studying at University of Waterloo and environmental engineering, I just uh, connect with them on the on LinkedIn, right? And if they accept, great. If they don't accept, move on. Um, and a lot of the times when it's somebody really that I'm interested in what they're doing, I would send them a quick message to saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this is, thank you for connecting. Usually once they say yes to the connection, thank you for um, connecting with me. Thank you for accepting my invitation to connect. Can we have a virtual coffee chat sometimes? Would love to know more about what you do and see how I can help you. And most of the time they say, okay, most of the time, maybe half the time people will say yes and half the time they just don't reply you. But if you spread your net <laughs> wide enough, most people, you'll get a few back and that's good enough, right? Um, and there's a lot of meaningful connections that came out of these sort of random um uh, connection requests and the way I see it is that I want to be a catalyst mm. I want to connect people with another person with the same values and if you put two people together their impact usually is not if they can do 1x and 1x it's not when you put them together it's not 2x it's right. usually 5 or 10x right so that's that's how I, I'm seeing things uh, right now so when I can connect two people with the same values there's a bigger impact from that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point and, and one that I usually uh, drive home to, for people because I was probably in the same situation where I was a little bit more shy and introverted as a computer scientist. I, I didn't like people at all, but I found that, uh, yeah, once you get past the, the little bit of a kind of anxiousness and, and nervousness about connecting with someone, it's not that bad. And I actually find now that, that I like it and I enjoy it. Uh, I'm actually trying to rebrand informational interviews as curiosity conversations, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because that informational interviews almost uh, has the, the thought of a job in the back of your head. Right. Whereas if you if you talk about a curiosity conversation, it's more like, oh, you're a really cool and interesting person. I would love to learn a little bit more. And then that pretense of getting a job is out there. And when that pretense of a job is not there, then then it, it just makes it for a, a much more fluid and, and, and uh, engaging conversation. That's and a great totally idea. Love, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I totally love what you mentioned about uh, kind of uh, the uh, one and one make five or 10, <laughs> that sort of thing. Because I do think that when you have a, a lot of people with, with like minds and, and, and sharing common interests, there's a lot more that can be done than, than someone on, on their own. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and one thing that I uh, kind of took from your story is also a little bit about um, like doing instead of just kind of learning in the sense that uh, you had this romanticized version of environmental consulting and whatever, but not ever having done environmental consulting, like once you got it, you're like, oh, is this it? Yeah. <laughs> Versus if you spend more time uh, maybe digging holes or whatever, then, then you realize, oh, this is the stuff that I actually want to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's uh, something that, that folks can take away is, is how do they actually find something that they want to do and actually experience instead of just uh, living off of what they portray in the movies or what mm -hmm. uh, like they, they have in their head or, or what mm -hmm. they from books and stuff of like that in there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
are there other a, any other key swike or the stuff I was showing you earlier that you'd want to go back uh, and, and, and tell yourself uh, other than just the, the, the networking part? Well, that's a big one, but any mm. other ones that you'd want to note? Yeah, just a few smaller ones. One is uh, waking up early in the morning. Okay. Uh, it's what I've been, I've been doing uh, the past, this year, 2021. I've been waking up at 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, okay. And it's been really great because you get so much alone time in the morning that you have time to, you know, sit down and really think. Because I think, you know, these days, we typically tend to shy away from thinking. Mm. You know what I mean? Like uh, social media, if you're on the social media after work, uh, you're just scrolling through, you're not thinking anything about yourself. You're just, you know, browsing. Um passively doing something but waking up early in the morning allows you that maybe three four hours in the morning just to be able to sit down and uh i usually go for a walk mm-hmm. and walking alone is great because you're not on your phone well i guess you can be on your phone but it's dangerous right. yeah <laughs> probably not at four in the morning not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> not a good idea walking outside uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you're not on your phone, you're just, you know, enjoying the nature and you're thinking like for half an hour, just there thinking to yourself. And, and what, it, what it really helps me to do is just to, you know, figure out where I am right now and where I want to be. Um, and it gives time for you to digest kind of, okay, um, is this really where I want to be right now? Hmm. And where is it that you want to be? And how do I get there? like the steps to take to get there. So I think you were the one who mentioned, Loki, about blocking off uh, time every week, you know, two hours. I still have, what do you call it? Uh, non-negotiable time. Non-negotiable time in my yep. calendar every, every Sunday. Uh, and I think that's crucial for, for career development, for personal development, um, just to have that time to think. Yeah, I think that, that that's amazing. And uh, well, that doesn't mean the non-negotiable time has to be at four in the morning for those that are listening because I know some that, that just scared a lot of people off. I, I guess, <laughs> what time do you go to bed if you're waking up at four in the morning? I have no choice but to go to bed at 10 because I'm so tired of bed at 10. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I guess if you woke up at four, you, you naturally go to bed earlier because uh, yeah, yeah. You just be tired throughout the day. Um, but yeah, and, and for, for those that are interested in that advice, you don't have to wake up at four. You can wake up at five. You can wake up at six or something. But I mean, the world tends to wake up at kind of eight or nine, your local time, maybe seven, uh, that, that sort of thing. So even waking up at six, you probably have a, a good hour ahead of uh, people. But if you can kind of go all in and, and, and wake up at four, <laughs> that's just a lot more time that you can spend and, and develop yourself. Um, and, and I think that the non-negotiable time, yeah, it, it goes without saying that that investment in yourself pays dividends uh, over the long run. And uh, if you can keep on doing that in school or outside of school and or however long, then that definitely helps. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for so much for sharing some of your, your experience and, and your wisdom. Uh, what, what are some uh, of the future aspirations? What are some of the things that you're looking forward to, to doing and, and where might people be able to connect with you if they're interested in, in learning a little bit more? Yeah, so my future aspirations right now is to start my own company. Well, actually, yeah. I created my own company. So I have an incorporation. So the first step is done. It's just that right now we're the company is losing money than earning. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so there's still a lot of work to be done there. 
but again with with me waking up earlier in the morning i can spend my first three to four hours in the morning to devote towards my company and then after that eight o'clock start working for green saver eight to four and then Usually by four o'clock, I'm also dead. I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so waking up before, there's some consequences there in between too. Um, uh, so yes, my company is really, I want to focus on being able to um, make it a better transition towards net zero um, mm-hmm. for homes. So Canada's goal is to transition to net zero new homes by 2030. Mm-hmm. And uh, existing homes by 2050 and what net zero means is that you are producing as much as you're using right yeah. and that starts with uh, tightening up your building envelope ensuring that there's as little heat loss as possible in the winter well right. we live in canada so we mostly talk about heating here um, uh, and i believe that the technology is already here we are already building to net zero so I want to accelerate that instead of 2030, I want it to be 2026, 2027, that we can get all new homes in Ontario to net zero. And um, 2040, 2035, even to get to as many existing homes as we can to net zero, Maybe. including my own, right? So that's that's my personal aspiration. So if you are interested in learning more, feel free to reach out. I would love to talk to you. Uh, I would love to have a curiosity conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So I uh, will put some uh, connection information for, for LinkedIn and other areas uh, for, for Abraham in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining us in this conversation. And maybe we'll have you back to talk a little bit more on, on environment sustainability and, and things in that area and uh, more on, on overcoming networking shyness and curiosity conversations. That might be another interesting topic as well. So Sounds thanks so good. much for, for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully see you in a future episode. Thank you, Luki. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.